Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, Tristan Barracks here, the digital storyteller, and I'm super excited that you've joined me for another episode of Story Over Everything, my new podcast that's focused on your story, on my story, on telling our collective stories and the life lessons that have shaped us into the people that we are today. So join the conversation as we talk to the 17-year-old version of ourselves. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, Tristan Barracks here, The Digital Storyteller, and I'm super excited to be with you again for another episode of Story Over Everything, the podcast that helps you remember, celebrate, and understand some of your successes, some of your failures, and the wisdom that you would want to share with the 17-year-old version of yourself. I love the idea of being able to say, you know what? If I could tell myself one thing at 17 years old, this is what it would be. And this is what this whole podcast is about. I'm super excited to be with um, not just the listeners, but also um, a contributor, a friend, a creative mind. I think one of the the most brilliant, sharp, uh, witty minds of of our generation. Um, He is a guy that is full of integrity, full of jokes, and has an interesting perspective on life. Uh, Let's give it up for for, um, Bart Aniston. What's going on, guys? What's going on, guys? I was looking behind me to find out who are you talking about. <laughs> hey, listen, Brilliant. listen. Wow. I, I only I only treat my people the best. And here's the thing about it, right, Bart? Is like, listen, we didn't we didn't ever grow up together. We didn't know nah. each other until way later on in life. Yeah. But man, I I feel like you're you're so. I, the word that I can I can give you is like you're an honorary Malton man. <laughs> You're an honorary Malton wow, man because I finally made it out of Brampton. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Brampton and Malton does not much difference. No. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> but we right? get the butt of everyone's jokes. Bra- Brampton is literally like the larger version of Malton. Yeah. People don't want to say that, but it really is. But um, I am just so happy to have you here. Um, you're again my friend, but beyond my friend, you are just a good guy and just a teacher and a contributor and a person that is all about the culture. And about building relationships. You got, like, listen, he's the type of dude that'll be like, yeah, my friend brought me to Arizona for, like, a, a million-dollar photo shoot. And I'll be like, okay, cool. I was just sitting down, you know, in my brief watching, like, football. Or I can call me. Oh, it was just a last-minute thing. We went on their yacht. And then we went on the blimp that they owned. He's that kind of guy. He's so well-connected. <laughs> and he'll never, he looks so unassuming. Just like, you know, I'm just doing my thing. But I love that about you, Bart. I love the fact that you you are um, relentless when it comes to reaching out to people and building true, authentic relationships. You're one of the f- one of the few people I know that that challenges me when it comes to being so authentic in relationships. So, um, I brought you on the podcast because I really want to talk to you just about who you are. Like, I think there's so many layers to who you are and and what you've done. Um, I am but a man. <laughs> um, you know, uh, P.S. Jungle Fever. Let's give it up for the Jungle Fever. <laughs> Black men with white wives, love oh it, love it, love goodness. it. They love mixing it up. It's yeah, good. That's yeah. good. Your children, listen. His children's hair, listen. Oh my it's a thing of beauty. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work, and uh, I don't know if, if Brampton or Malton. I still get looks in Brampton. I don't know if, if Malton would be any different. No nah, man, Malton. It's 2019, listen, but listen, I don't know. The the black and white ting in Malton was a long time. That was a 90s ting still. That was a 90s ting. But um, let's start out with like, who is Bart Aniston? All right, cool. Yeah. I, I'm originally from Alberta. Um, Let's give it up for Alberta. Yeah. Hey, 
Alberta. Big up Alberta. Yeah, man. And and the sound and the oil sands and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I hope there's those jobs are around for at least twenty more years um, before Elon Musk takes it all over. But anyways, when I came to Ontario, I was like four or five years old. Yep. Um, and I've been a Brampton man ever since. I had a quick stint um, living in Toronto, but I've been living in Brampton. Yeah. Uh, married, two kids. I'm about uh, to say three. <laughs> no, I call that no lie. <laughs> no, this is what he said. Oh hell no! <laughs> yeah, uh, I I look to anybody who has more than two kids, and I just say I don't know how you did it. <laughs> it it looks like it's made up, but uh, congratulations! <laughs> I don't know how I could ever do that. I I just say peace be unto you. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Alassalamu alaikum. Yeah, assalamu alaikum, malikum salam. Also onto your whole house because you're outnumbered and I don't understand. <laughs> outnumbered. I didn't yeah. even look at it that way. That's yeah, true. You're, you're outnumbered. You are num- outnumbered. They, they, can, they can do things to you while you're sleeping. <laughs> so now it's kind of like man to man. I don't have to do any zone defense or anything like that. So <laughs> it's pretty simple. Um, I run a creative studio where I do design and marketing for okay. small and emerging companies. Yeah. That's kind of it. I did a quick stint in the corporate world working there I worked for staples as a designer let's give it for the corporate world corporate not at world. all i hate the corporate world <laughs> it, it was not what i was sold i thought i'm gonna go to college oh, i'm gonna Lord. get a great corporate gig i'm gonna have the downtown lifestyle <laughs> and i'm gonna go live downtown. that's what all of them sold all of my professors yeah. because and here's the other thing that was crazy <laughs> is like bart and i essentially went to the same school around the yeah. same exact time so we were like when we met up we were like oh where did you go to school well, i went to school here oh i went to school here i went to this program well i did the twin program to that well how come we never saw each other did you have this professor yeah i had this yeah. professor for this coding or this video class it yeah. was just eerie how how we never got to cross we, paths. we never crossed paths no and it's <laughs> true they all tell you this life that you're gonna have after. yeah and then i get my i was really good in the program, the, the program coordinator got me my first job. Yeah, my, um, my program coordinator, he was a web guy, yeah. and I was a film guy. Oh, yeah. So he wasn't giving me a damn I didn't get the best job. There was another girl who was literally the top of the class. I was probably, like, the second best in the class. Mm. Somebody, another lady um, uh, who went on to do Chatelaine Magazine, Home and Garden. Oh, wow. She did a, a, the, a creative director for many uh, big wow. locations. Uh, he got me my first gig at a print shop, <laughs> working with the presses and stuff like that. And from there, I got a job at Staples, and I started working downtown, and I thought, oh, this is going to be amazing. Um, and then I started having to go on the subway and the train and fight the 8 million yeah. people who are also trying to do the same thing as yep. you. And I quickly found out that the corporate life is all about red tape and all about um, suppressing the creative energy that I want to bring to projects and the things that I want to do. Yep. And then I had my quick, I'm not quick, I had a big stint in the nonprofit sector, in the ministry sector. Well, well before we, we get to that, yeah. before we get to all of that amazing stuff, because you have a, a, like a, a really cool story in terms of like your journey and your trajectory. One of the things I want to talk about, because we don't really talk about a lot, you 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 always mention it when we're, we're together. It's kind of like, you're kind of like a ongoing storyteller where it's like you <laughs> you tell me chapters and verses of your life. You never actually tell me your life, it's right? It's true. My so, life is full of stories. You know what I mean? So it's like every time I, you know, we hang out, we get chicken wings or actually I owe you chicken wings. Hashtag story <laughs> over everything. Hashtag where my Dion chicken wings. But but I digress. But what I want to ask you was like, how was it growing up in Edmonton? How was it growing up in 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 you know a first generation immigrant mm. home? Um, 
what was that like? Tell me a little bit about that because yeah. you do. Were you a, an only child? Like, do you yeah. have siblings? Or? I have one older brother, okay. and I grew up um, predominantly in Ontario, but I was born in Edmonton, Alberta, um, until I was four years old. So a lot of my memories are from after that. Okay, I do remember um, being in a rodeo when I was three. <laughs> And a lot of the Alberta culture came with me. My grade three photo, uh, I was wearing a bolo tie. And I was I was sent with a bolo tie wearing cowboy boots. And that's just, I just consider that the power of Canadian culture. People always yeah. say Canada doesn't have any culture. Um, it does. It's not necessarily the most flattering thing. <laughs> and it's not necessarily something I want to um, translate to my children. Yeah. Uh, I think the culture of Canada, and this is a whole other podcast, by the way, but the culture of Canada is changing in mm-hmm. terms of when we go um, generations separated from immigrants to um, people who are born here. I'm first generation. My kids will be second generation. So some of the experiences that I've grown up with, um, they may not grow up with. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, everybody was into skateboarding and hockey because, hello, it was the 90s and hockey, of course. I had binders full of hockey cards and stuff like that. How how was that? Because, I mean, again, like, you, you come to Toronto, yeah. you live there for a bit. And Toronto, I mean, in the 90s, Toronto was a very urbanized. Oh, yeah. It was very, I mean, it's been very multicultural, very urbanized. I don't know if that's a word. It sounds like a word, though. Um, for many years, right? It's been that, right? Mm-hmm. But... Brampton was not that, you know, I remember, I mean, coming from Toronto as well, because I grew up in Toronto um, in in the late 80s, early 90s. And then we moved to Malton and Malton was predominantly Italian. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, moving a little bit more north, there was Vaughn, which is all Italian mafiosa. Oh yeah. Hey, nothing wrong with them, man. You do what you do. do. Vaughn um, and Quebec handle your business. I yeah, that's it. Handle your business. Um, just don't let me be in the line of fire. Um, and then Brampton was like farmland. Yep. Brampton was considered like far. Oh, it, it, a it is far, and B it was definitely farmland. Um, I remember all the big shopping malls coming up. I remember uh, just like. Uh, where every major plaza, there literally was a farm. <laughs> that's that's the kind of life I grew up in. And How I, was that? Like, I mean, being a black young man, true. Haitian, yeah. speaking two languages, I mean, the advantage, there must have been some advantages speaking French, slash, can you speak Creole as well? Yeah, I speak three languages. Three languages, my yeah. apologies. Like, that, that must have been, like, what was that like? So, there are many things. Um, I, I always tell, like, when I'm talking to, like, my wife, who's Dutch, I think we covered that. Um, she's she's Dutch and grew up here in a different way. And but, I like, Dutch, same, like, like, super white Canadian Dutch. Oh, yeah, 100,000%. <laughs> like, she grew up in a uh, Christian private school where her mother was a yeah. teacher from the founding of that school. So we grew up very differently. I always explain to her my upbringing as... I feel like I grew up like an immigrant, as if I mm. was also a not a first generation Canadian, but also like my mom. Because okay. um, explain that. Unpack so that. our parents um, have the unique uh, hardship, I would call it, of trying to do their best. So when you're parenting a kid, mm-hmm. you do your best to uh, teach them the way you were taught, and they had to do that whilst also 
being in a different culture and being indoctrinated by that culture. I'm, I'm sure your mom yeah. or your dad yep. didn't grow up with more than one vehicle or grew up in a in a city that had major uh, streets, like maybe two, three, four, or five lane streets. Uh, my mom is a, is a country girl from Haiti, so having a working stove is not part of her upbringing. Um, having dirt roads only is part of her upbringing. So let's, hold on, let's just take a pause and just give it up for Haiti. Listen, um, I don't know any Haitian words except maybe Sanfasan or Fonfasan. Sanfasan. I have Sac passé is a, is a big word. Sac passé. Sac passé, maboule piti piti, all that kind of good stuff. Um, I love it. Which, love is, it. which is all like, I, I didn't know how rare that was. Let's go back to, to the story. Yeah, I, yeah. Didn't, I didn't realize how rare that was for me to be born here and to speak fluently in Creole and in French. So um, it's Creole. It's not Creole. No, Creole. Okay. Okay. Like Crayola yeah, almost. Creole. Yeah, exactly. I, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that. So, th- so me growing up here, I always, I, I think I've, I've mentioned this once or twice to my wife. I'm, uh, I've said like, uh, if my, if this was like a, a franchise, like an NBA or NFL franchise, yeah, uh, my mom would be the best GM ever or the best president of the organization ever. She moved her family, her her team, yeah. from Haiti, which was one, at the time the poorest country on planet Earth, to first Miami then Montreal, then she had me when we were in Alberta, Mm -hmm. then to Ontario, and she did all of this so that we could have a better life, and now I have my kids, and I buy them like $3.50 cookies at Starbucks. (laughs) Like, they're so so far removed. They're (laughs) so far removed from the idea and the notion of what it was like. Like, my upbringing to my daughters is I, I would say it's just as different from my upbringing to my mother's. That's that's I love that you you made mention of the sort of the, the GM of the year or yeah. or president of the year, because I, I, I love that. I never that an, analogy when you shared it with me at first, I never thought of my parents that way. But like they literally made something out of nothing. absolutely nothing. Nothing. And, and they're here and they're able to enjoy. Like when I look at my parents and like what they're able to do. Yeah, my mom's in New York City right now <laughs> chilling with family because it's Easter. I'm like, mom, where, where, what are you doing? She's like, yeah, I'm going to New York. I'm not here. She called me from the airport to tell me. <laughs> oh, for, and see, that's when you know you really have it. Yeah. From the airport, you yeah. fly to New York. You don't take the bus. No, no, no. Immigrant no, no, no. life is you take the bus everywhere. We grew up growing <laughs> to, the, to New York maybe five times a year via Greyhound. If it's, if, it's, if it's within 16 hours of driving, it's drivable. Oh, yeah. Which means it's possible. So, so, so you, don't, you don't get on. You don't, you don't just pay you know, $300 no. to take a flight to New York. My mom was tired <laughs> of me um, as a teenager, and I understand. I was a badass kid. Um, <laughs> and she would send me to Winnipeg via bus 32 hours. <laughs> you hear what I just said? 32 hours on a Greyhound bus. Yo, your mom's a... Yo. She's like, that's it. I'm sorry. Your mom, your mom is, yeah. is a, a dapa dapa don. Yeah. She, she's like, that's she it. She sent I'm you on a bus? You. She said, I'm 16. You're going <laughs> to see your aunt because I'm tired of this. And yeah, she would send me in a 35 hours each way. Oh my gosh. That is, that's child abuse. Yeah. Just <laughs> I, my brother and I, we always talk about like Yo. how we always got disciplined. We got, we got hit, we got beat, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But then we always, it always comes down to when we look at each other. But when you start to think of the stuff that we were doing, yeah. we were bad. We were bad. <laughs> Especially now when I look at my 
kids. Yeah. I'm like, we were nothing like, I was never this nice, this courteous, yep. this uh, a good playing with my sibling, the way my kids are. It's a very different, and we, because we were, we were growing up with such an angst of, we want to be like everybody else. Mm. And yet every aspect of my life is so different than anybody else that I know on my street. Well, well this is the thing, right? I think that, you know, there are certain things when I look at my kids that I am really thankful for. I'm thankful oh, yeah. that they they have the ability to be in in a more tolerant, accepting, and and multi uh, cultural and generational for sure. community um, and, and and society in general. Uh, the flip side to that though is that I feel in some cases like like back in the day when we were growing up, we were left in the cold. Like my, my, and what I mean by that, like my, my parents let my brothers take the train, the TTC train, like at age seven, Yeah, eight. you had no choice. Like, like, because they had to do what they had to do. Right. Yeah. So, and, and I look at like my son's turning seven this year. I would never put him on the TTC, <laughs> by, TTC by himself. And like my brother Albert was like maybe, maybe eight or nine years older than my brother Sheldon is like maybe six or seven and they're on the TTC going back and forth yeah, man. because you got to do what you got to do. do and it wasn't, do. it was a different time yeah. and there was a level of, um, there was just a level of thick skin that you got built up. I feel like, like my kids, they have a lot of things but they don't necessarily have the hooks for, or the yeah. guts, you know what I mean? To, yeah. to get through, to have that, 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 um, extra little depth to get through certain difficult things. Yeah, I used to do uh, run a youth ministry group um, at my church when I was younger. Yeah. And one of the first things... When he's I, younger and he's only like 32. I know, this is like... <laughs> but when I was younger... I, when I, I was eight, I preached my first gospel message <laughs> and 8,000 souls were saved. <laughs> that day. That day. And that's when I knew I was going to buy the building yep. and create. <laughs> so I, I had like a kid who had like this little portable radio. Yeah. And it was just a portable, no cassette, no CD, just portable radio. And it wasn't working. It was broken. So he's like, oh, I got to ask my mom for a new one. And I asked him, I said, why don't you try to fix it? And he was like, you can't fix it. And that's when I kind of realized, oh, your understanding of life is completely different. Yeah. It, my upbringing was we would try to fix it. You'd yep. crack it open. And I think that speaks a lot to because of the era and the generation that our kids now grow up, that chutzpah, if yeah. I can use that um, Yiddish term, <laughs> like you did. Oh, I, 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 thought are, it was, I thought it was Jewish. It is. That's Yiddish oh, and Jewish okay, okay. slang. Okay, okay. At yeah, least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. <laughs> Well-cultured <laughs> Negro. <laughs> so, yeah. And that, like, to, to our kids to have like that chutzpah is, that, is everything of the the starting of the idea in their brain. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. couldn't fathom, like your seven-year-old couldn't fathom going on the bus or the train by themselves because they've never had to live a life like that. And that tough skin is, mm -hmm. is kind of related to that where, yeah, we had to do it ourselves. We had, I couldn't go to my mom. I don't yeah. know if you ever had this, um, but in my life, I remember my brother being like, I don't know, 10 and I would be six and he, him explaining to me Mom and dad don't have money for that. Like, you can't stop asking for all this stuff. Wow. Right? Like, yeah. I, that when I, not that we were poor, but that we just make it. Yeah. Like, we're, we're, yeah. we're like, we're like not even middle class yet. Like, stop making a scene when we go to the store for stuff. Because <laughs> so you were that child. Ah! Not no, 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 no. My mom's Haitian. <laughs> 
there's no way you would be allowed. Tell the to truth, do you, th- that. you threw yourself on the ground. Yeah, ah, my mom would literally, my, my, my mom would literally uh, uh, pull pull uh, Iverson and walk step right over me and leave the store. She, <laughs> she had no regard for foolishness like that. But yeah, all that to say, the, yeah. the lifestyle that we that we live now, I feel completely. As the older I get. I'm so much more thankful for my upbringing yeah. because I feel like we are the hybrid millennials where we still had some of that grit from the older boomer generation. We were analog. I always yeah. I always tell people that I'm not a millennial. I don't care what anybody says. I'm, I'm 36 years old. I'm ter- sorry. I'm turning 36 this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I, I'm an 83-year-old. Like, I'm yeah. 83. What are you, 84? 86. 86? Yeah. We were still, like, like, people that were born, let's say, 80 to, like, 85, 86, we still remember record player, A-tracks. Still remember, like, cassette players. Like, we still had an... It was still an... I had an A-track in my bar in the house I grew up in. It was still an analog era, and the digital era really didn't come into play until... Oh, mid-late 90s. Yeah, and and even then, it was like, the digital era for, for us really was... Our first Nintendo, like yeah. you know, we had Atari, we had Atari, you, you, yeah. we had what, what? What do we have? We had a compact Atari. computer that had the yes. rampage games, and all yes. that kind of stuff. So, yep. We grew up, I think, in the golden era where we got to appreciate all both. Of the yeah, both the older stuff. No which, cell phones, like no cell phones. We we didn't have like nope. we didn't have the my luxury. first cell phone with a beeper. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I remember when my brother, I got we, it from my brother. Yeah, my my oldest brother uh, at the time, he was probably sixteen years old, and he got a beeper. And that was a big thing because oh, my da- the only person that I knew in my entire life that had a beeper was my dad. And and I thought he was the most professional guy. He worked for Toronto Hydro as right, a supervisor. Right, right, right. So when they beeped him, he had to get into work. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? And like they had a com- and he had a company car, like all of the same thing. So when, when my brother came in with a beeper, I was like, oh what gosh. is he doing that he needs a beeper? I want you to one day explain to your son what a beeper is. <laughs> what a beeper is. Wait, you didn't have a phone, but they gave you a brick <laughs> that you clipped to your, to yeah, your waist. and people were proud of that. <laughs> and people would, you would clip it to your waist. All it did was just ring and show you a number that you had to go find a pay phone <laughs> or ask a company or a local store if you could use the phone to call in to find out what it was. Let me, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. <laughs> And then, and then the thing is, later on, people got got um, very um, crafty with it because they'd use the numbers to try and yeah, make coded. basic yeah, communications. Yeah. Yeah. And then not only that, then they then they flipped it. It wasn't just all black. It was like the see through neon green <laughs> and purples and stuff. And you know, what I mean, it turned it into this whole oh thing. My but I I find it to be fascinating that you know your point about how you feel about growing up and then seeing your kids. And it's like obviously we love our kids, but there's something. That they will never yeah. understand. I still feel like an immigrant now to this day because yeah. I feel I feel like when I hear um, and this is no knock to my wife, yeah. it's just her upbringing is just that much different. Yeah, her mom um, uh, was an immigrant but came when she was four, so her mom really grew up as a Canadian. Yeah, um, and Bethany also grew up very much in the Canadian middle class. Um, uh, Mindset. So in yeah. her mind, it's always like, oh, if it's not working, well, let's try to fix it, and then we'll buy you a new one. Yeah. And I, and my mindset is just like, buy buy who a new one of what for what reason? Who broke it again? And how did it get to this condition? Yeah. And were you taking care of it? Um, because the we never knew where the next one was coming. Christmas and 
birthdays were a big deal because we never got stuff. We got Christmas gifts. We got um, birthday gifts. We got maybe mm-hmm. graduation gifts. But getting something in the middle of the season, quote unquote, that just didn't exist. Having a new pair of shoes in like March, no, like you, you that was that's a September flex. And what, I feel what? like now I, I'm I'm able to do that for my kids. I, I never want them to um, uh, feel feel ungrateful for yeah. what they have come like you don't know you're only one generation removed from absolute poverty but they don't understand that they they don't they don't they have no idea and and i think also to a part of that too is um you know even if you're a quote-unquote first generation canadian or, or immigrant mm-hmm. let's say like your mother-in-law she still was white Mm-hmm. Right. And and there's a certain oh, yeah. there's a certain level of not entitlement, but there's a certain benefit yeah. to the shade of your skin, uh, even back in the day. Right. Especially back in the day. Yeah. Well, especially back in the day. I um, had neighbors who didn't want to associate with us because we were black. Wow. So my brother, my brother, we were, like I said, we were bad kids. <laughs> my brother, I accidentally cut my brother's finger with the lawnmower. I know it's a whole separate I don't story. I understand that. And my brother's <laughs> finger is hanging. It cut through the bone. Um, hanging by the skin, just underneath the, the nail of his um, uh, middle finger. And my father was at home, but he had the work truck um, that was not working. My, my father used to work for uh, Ford as a, as yeah. a driver, um, but it was not working. It was, it was disrepair. My mom had the Volvo. My mom had the car, but she's a nurse. She had, to, she had the car. So yeah. We ran over to the neighbor and said, hey, can you drive us to the hospital or we're going to call the ambulance? And... The neighbor said, I don't want black people blood in my car. And he didn't use the word black people. So, Brampton, right? Brampton. <laughs> so, yeah, especially in the... Oh, my God! Uh-huh, because <laughs> especially in the 80s and in the 90s, yeah, yeah, it was still like, hey, you're in our area. This, yeah. is, this was very new. And I think I, I don't fault those people um, the same way I would today. The era in which that person who was much older... I do. I, I still fault them. You fault them? They're a-holes. Straight up. Like, the reality is, is that <laughs> it's just such a lack of education. You That's what I'm bl- saying. It's you, exactly it. It's a lack of... He knows no different. Yeah. I, I think some people don't want to know any different. That's, that is 100% true. So, I mean, I get what you're saying, though. But, but so, okay. So, then, you you know, you, you're bad kids. You're, you're growing up in Brampton. Yeah. You get to teenage years, 16, 17, 18 years old. Yep. Did you know, did you always know you, what you wanted to do? Like, yeah. how did that happen? Yeah. Um, I Yes and no. So, the I got in a lot of trouble in school. I got expelled. Um, I came back and I... <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I told you, I, we were bad kids, okay? Um, I got in trouble in school. I got kicked out of school, expelled from all school in my region. Having a Haitian mom working two jobs trying to support... The family, um, she did not accept that, so she hired a lawyer and got me to write an appeal uh, letter. Wow. In the meantime, I still had to get all my homework. I'm expelled. Can't go on school property. What was your high school? Jacuzzi. <laughs> Shout out to Jacuzzi. <laughs> <laughs> you, you almost got rid of a king. <laughs> yeah. So, so <laughs> I did all the work. Uh, my mom made me get a friend to bring me all the work. And then uh, eventually the school let me back in, finished up, but all the credits don't count because I was expelled. So I did all the work, all the homework, everything. I remember my guidance wow. counselor being like almost in tears. She's like, you did so well. 
and um, but it, if you look at my transcript, my official transcript, all of those uh, say uh, say credit check, and then beside it have an asterisk, and they don't count in my total count. Luckily, again, I have a Haitian mom who pushed me a lot. So ever since I started high school, I was doing night school and summer school every year for extra credit. Oh my gosh! So I graduated. What? Yeah, that's no, a whole other story. Your, your mom is like, yo. <laughs> I thought I honestly <laughs> thought that um, what, what's that? What's that basketball player's name that that shot the three pointer just a few days ago? And um, Damian Lillard. Yeah, Damian Lillard. I thought he was the assassin. Your your mom, <laughs> mom is, the, is the true gangster, the true the Agent gangster. Zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy yeah. smokes! One hundred percent. I forget why I was telling this story though. Oh, because you were basically saying you were a badass kid, and like you were almost expelled. You got back in. You yeah. got rid of the. Cre- uh, they didn't credit you all the credits. Your yeah. mom though made you do extra credits. Yeah. On top of that. Yeah. And you and you always knew what. You want to be. Yes. What you so want this, to do. this is kind of what, what I was trying to get at. Yeah. I, uh, when I was coming back from my last year of high school after being expelled, I had to, I had like literally one more strike and you're done for good. Oh, wow. So I kind of lived in the music department. So I okay. spoke with, I, I wasn't a music kid, even though I was doing music outside of school. In um, church. In church, in private Where, Which lessons. church? Say it now. Um, All Nations for Gospel Church, Church of the Nazarene, gang gang, <laughs> and you have to make sure Harvest you have to Worship make sure Center. you say full gospel yeah. church because there's oh, another, yeah. there's a couple other, yeah. but it's not the full gospel. It's not the full gospel one. We don't want that. We don't want none <laughs> we of We don't that. want half gospel. No, we want full I gospel. Want the full Praise thing. God. I made it here anyways. So I, I approached the music teacher and said, "Yo, can I hang out?" Everyone knew who I. I got kicked out of school for. Um releasing pepper spray into the HVAC unit 13 times and the school would have to shut down. It's a whole long story, but basically all that to say, everyone <laughs> knew who I was. Kid. Yeah, Everyone knew who I was. So if I, I yeah. showed up to a teacher and said, hey, I need a place to not get involved with the same kind of kids or be around the same type of people. Yeah. He was immediately receptive. Shout out to Mr. Vinings um, from Chikuzi Secondary School. Shout out to Mr. Vinings. Yeah. <laughs> So he he allowed me to eat my lunch even if it wasn't um, open period in the music room in the practice rooms. I just lived out of that. If I wasn't in wow. class, I was there. Dope. And I ended up joining the music program. So that kind of reignited the whole music thing for me. Okay. And when I finished high school, I applied for um, I, the R and B single group. Right? You want to try? <laughs> You're such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> he actually I, got I mentioned by by R. Kelly. He just oh tell my you. goodness! <laughs> I don't see nothing wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I see a lot of things wrong, by the way. But just for the record, for the record, for the record, I see a lot of things wrong. He's like, oh, oh no, 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 no. Oh, oh my. my god! I yeah. gotta, I gotta retract some of those statements. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and wait, and do you see until all the Me Too people come after all yeah, the regular hip hop exactly. artists? And all the lyrics that are in hip hop and rap yeah. music—that's a whole other. And thing. And then they get us get at us on, on Twitter. Once yeah. they get you, once the Twitter mall gets you, it's <laughs> done. Your your career is over. <laughs> so I I applied for everything because I didn't really know what I I knew that I yeah. love design and I had been doing that type of work for my church. Yeah. But I didn't really know how I could make a living from it. Yeah. Um, I was very involved in church. I know you hear all this bad stuff I'm doing. And then you hear, I was very involved in church. I was living a double life. That's called a double life. Yeah. Double um, agent. Yeah. I was a, a very double. And everyone was wanting me to uh, 
go to Bible college, and I knew that was not for me. I knew that. <laughs> That's never going to work. They wanted to do the same to me. <laughs> yeah. I just knew, I knew I, what I didn't want to do. Yeah. So I ended up applying for all the things that I thought were correct. So I ended up applying for music at Humber, um, applying for mm-hmm. business at Sheridan, applying for... Um, uh, Business at Sheridan, eh? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was just because it was, it was in Brampton. The, it, it, was it, was, it was the Brampton location, <laughs> that's why. Carl, I, I got accepted. Into, I, the pro, here's what happened. I applied for a whole bunch of things, maybe like 12. Yeah. I paid extra to apply, and then I started getting accepted to all the things. And it was becoming a problem. Like I thought this was going to help narrow everything down. Yeah. And it ended up making everything just worse. I got a, uh, my first semester scholarship at Carleton University. Wow. <laughs> Accepted into York, into Humber, into Sheridan. So now I'm in a place where I'm like, my mom, I think, had some money saved. And she really, of course, my, what immigrant parent does not want you to go to university? Yeah, exactly. So now I have to like, oh, okay, the soul searching that I've been avoiding, I now have to do. And it's crunch time. I got to mm. start sending um, my responses back to these uh, um, post-secondary schools. So finally, I'd say, hey, I'm going to jump on the media train because I think this media thing is going to blow up one day. <laughs> so I joined Seneca College. Seneca. like, And the thing is, like, <laughs> the thing that makes me laugh is, like, I didn't know that you got into Carleton, that you got into yeah. York, that you yeah. got into all these different programs. When I was getting it, Seneca was, like, the only place that accepted me. Yeah. Like, Seneca was like, yeah, okay, we'll take you, I We'll guess. take you, I guess. You have to take, like, an IQ test and all this other stuff. Like, I felt like I was, like, destined never to take to go to college or university. I'm still kind of like, man, like, I always want to, you know, do a degree. But it was a part you of me You don't like, want to do a degree. So, let's hear what happened. I did a year yeah. and a half at Seneca and dropped out. Didn't finish. <laughs> and then I, I walked across the street to York and said, hey, you guys wanted me at one point. Will you take me? I did a semester at York University and I dropped out. It, nothing felt like I was learning what I wanted to learn. Wow. So Talk about that. Talk about that because that's, I think that's really key for a lot of people, right? Yeah. Like, like, because people always talk about, oh, you know, we need to focus on school and, and focus no, on don't. university. And I'm going to go all Gary V on you right now. And no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. The, let's give it up for Gary v. I'm not going to swear as much, okay? Uh, the, the value of a diploma in the average person's life is go- is plummeting and it's going to continue to plummet. Yeah, um, 100%. Oh, yeah. And I, 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 the what I was chasing was um, an, a way to learn what I knew what I wanted to learn. But, mm. So it's kind of like you know something, but you don't know something. I'm like, I know I just want to be a designer and I want to learn some of these, how to use some of the rotoscoping tools and After Effects and use Illustrator. I know I know I want to do that, but every time I sign up to take a class somewhere or to sign up to go take a, a program at a school, I'm stuck with the theory. I'm stuck with learning auxiliary things. Why am I learning about Edgar Allan Poe right now? Like, <sighs> why am I taking all these extra classes? So I ended up Googling yeah. Adobe, because that's the main software at the time that was coming up, um, Adobe program. I'm like, maybe I can just take a class and I can learn how to be a master at Photoshop and yeah. Illustrator, because that was like my real goal. I wanted to be better at Photoshop, Illustrator, and nowhere were they just diving into that. And mm-hmm. that's why I kind of... Um, dropped out and then went to university and I dropped out right away. I'm like, this is even worse. Um, and then Adobe certified program showed up on my Google search in terms of me looking stuff up. Mm. Um, certified institution program. So it was like, okay, in Humber College was one of them. Oh, dope. So 
the only program that um, was an Adobe certified learning center, what type of thing, institution, was the graphic design for print and web. And it's a eight month certificate. That's it? That's it. But it's all people who are like, at the time, they call them Adobe evangelists. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Adobe, can you stop doing this? I think I'm singing, the- I'm <laughs> singing the praise of Adobe. Uh, but cloud. nobody, nobody. <laughs> I don't think anybody even knew what an evangelist was. Oh, Lord. These guys, but they were like geniuses. <sighs> so they would come in yeah. and they would teach you exactly, it was exactly, what, it was like answer to prayer. Exactly. What, okay, open up your computer. You have to, first, you have to apply. You have to show a portfolio of your work. So it, they're not wasting time with, here's the, here's the toolbar. They're yeah. saying, we're going to take you from being an enthusiast and make you into a professional in eight months. And it's Monday to Friday. Nine to six, so you can't have a job. The work is too much because you're going to have work at home as well. So you can't, I have to quit my job. To take wow. Months. I have to apply to it, um, and then it's eight months. So, and that's it, you get a certificate. And my mom was frustrated because that's not, that's not something that, you know, you, 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 you had a scholarship. She wanted you, you to get be a nurse. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you're a Haitian. <laughs> How many Haitians are nurses? No, I, I get it. Like, it's, of course. It's, it's, that's the immigrant dream. Get a government job with a pension. Yes. That will, will get you through. We'll see you through. And, yeah. and it's so... Our parents thought that when they came over here, they were coming over here to build um, a better life and give us an opportunity to get a better government job than yeah. they had. Yeah. What we turned that opportunity into was you gave us this opportunity to have a multiplicity of options. Options. That's all. That's all. That's all we're saying. And my mom still has a hard time with that concept. She was like, "So, what exactly do you do? I don't understand how yeah. you're making money." Yeah, yeah. No, I. <laughs> people say that to me all the time. All the time, and it's it's just, and I I just say thank you. You don't know. You mm-hmm. may not understand. You know, my mom's uh, gonna be seventy this year. You don't you don't understand what I'm doing in terms of the the uh, running a studio and and using creativity being paid for ideas rather than work yeah that's such a different yeah. concept you know what i mean like back in the day go to school and get yourself a trade right? <laughs> i work nine hours i come back and, and feed your family and then bid yourself and go to your bed and wake up again and go to the nine to five it's a hundred percent true Holy so that smokes. whole that whole thing is so different so me coming to my mom and say hey um she wasn't impressed. She would say, hey, I want to take this program. Yeah. First of all, I dropped out of two schools. And then in the middle of um, dropping out, after dropping out of those two schools, I, I tell my mom, hey, I want to get married. I'm going to propose to my... I was 20, I was 20 at the time. I was yeah. My mom was mad. He was mad. in heat. That's all it was. My he mom was, was mad. She's like, first of all... I want to get married, mama. And his head yeah. shaking like, ah. <laughs> yeah, my mom was like, no, you're not. And I'm like, mom, I bought the ring. And she's like, yeah, you're not. And I'm like... I, I didn't come to ask for permission, but the first thing out of her mouth was, when are you going to finish school? Yeah. Right? She yeah. wants the best for me. Yeah. And again, that's all what any immigrant, any parent, but especially immigrant parents, like, I've, I've done all of this. I've moved the entire franchise. <laughs> the whole franchise. Here for you. And now you're telling me you, you not only did you get a scholarship and didn't take it. Yeah. I knew my, side note, I knew myself. Like I said, I was a bad kid. If I went to Ottawa on my own, oh, yeah. I knew I had to be close to home. 
Yeah, listen, game set match. Yeah. Okay. I would have had kids by how many people? <laughs> I would have been into how many different drugs? <laughs> I would have been in all these. Like, I, I, I wasn't mature enough just to be by me. myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't mature enough to be by myself. I had just got off of being, I'm one year removed from being expelled. Yeah. That was grade 11. So, and he was a youth pastor too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. So all these things. So the maturity was not there. Yeah. Um, and then here I am, immature, same guy, one year removed. Mom, I think I'm going to marry this girl. Well, you're not. You're not done school yet. And then I'm like, yeah, I am. So doing all of that, right? Mm-hmm. Missing out on school. And then to say, hey, I'm going to go back to school. I found a program that I actually like. And I'll have a certificate. And my mom's like, what certificate is going to get you? <laughs> What does that what does that mean? And little again, just the way how everything works, my program coordinator got me my first job and yeah. which led me to the corporate job, which led me to the nonprofit stint for ten years. Yeah, and and, and that's, all in the creative and, field. All in the creative field, right? And and I think one of the things that, that a lot of people don't understand and, and 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 when I say a lot of people I mean traditionalists. Yep. Um when it comes to, you know, when it comes to career, the creative career path is that they don't understand that everything, everything that you can think of that, that whether it's a product service, an idea comes from a creative sphere. Yes. It comes from that creative place, right? Whether it's the way a, fr- a fridge is designed to a microphone to, you know, cameras, all that sort of stuff. There's engineering. There's other things that are involved, but it comes from that creative element yeah. of so how creative we... marketing. Yeah. The way that I was taught this um, creative marketing is not selling products. It's selling feelings. Yes. So how 100%. I feel about this fridge, yep. this in- inanimate object. Um, how I have what relationship I have with it. That's how you sell that and how you design that from reverse engineering it and everything. That's what marketing and creativity is all about. And the best and the best type of marketing is the one that that makes you feel something. Hundred percent makes you feel makes you align with the product. Why do you think I, I I I hate Apple so much and yet I buy all their stuff? Yeah, of course. Like listen, <laughs> because the feeling is strong. Yeah, it's the feeling is very. <laughs> this feeling is strong. That's the one. Uh, <laughs> But but I wanted to transition to to so marriage like why so young um, how did that influence you in terms of like because because you guys were married for a long time before you guys had kids yeah so what was that God. sort of era like how did that shape you hundred percent and, and, yeah. and how did that help you as a professional as well yeah um, being thirty whatever now. Looking back to the almost 12 years ago. 12 years of marriage. This guy's been married 12 years. I know. Longer than me and my wife. It's crazy. Um, looking back at that, if I looking back to my younger self, I'm like, why would you get married? <laughs> You're so, like, first of all, my wife is older than me and women mature faster than oh, men. Yes. So I'm like a, a guppy and she's like a, 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 a bass. You know what I mean? Like, I'm so... Not a to say fully that, matured salmon. Yeah, not to say that she, like, robbed the cradle <laughs> like, or groomed me. She didn't groom me or anything. This wasn't a Michael Jackson <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't know how to dance, so... <laughs> <laughs> and my mom never called her. Um, so, what, what I'm saying is, like, uh, from this perspective, looking backwards, yeah, absolute craziness. Mm-hmm. Would I do it again? Probably, but... It was such a weird time. So for me, coming, um, dating this older woman, mm-hmm. 
I would have been 18 and she would have been 23. And um, we would have, no, that's that's six years. So she would have been 21. So anyway, anyways, whatever. <laughs> All of that to say is yeah. within six months of us dating, um, she asked me, is this for real? Mm. Is this, I, I'm not wasting time. And, and the it's cat, always the woman that sets that tone, eh? Yeah. Always, yeah. because the guy will just be like, yeah, man, yeah. You know, and I don't want to get into the whole story because it, it's too long. <laughs> yeah. But my wife first met me when I was 16, and she's a very shy, reserved type of person in, in certain ways. And she was confident enough. She would have been 20 at the time. She was confident enough to tell her friend that I'm going to marry that kid. Like, I'm going to I'm going to marry that. that. That's my person. I already. She already knew. Wow. She already knew. Wow, that's crazy. So, meanwhile, I date somebody else. Like, mm-hmm. There, there's we we were in the same friend circles because she was older than me. Yeah. So it wasn't until I was older that we started dating, and then within six months she was like, "Is this for real?" Because she already knew. She already is had, this love? Is this love? Oh, yeah. Is this love that I'm feeling? Yeah, yeah. So it was more that she was saying that to me. Yeah. She's like, "I already know what I feel. I've okay. already known for a long time." I spotted you a long time ago. Where it was more like <laughs> that just doesn't you? sound right. I know. I was twenty and I, I spotted you. Yeah. Hello, is it me yeah. you're looking for? <laughs> <laughs> big up, big up, big up. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Wake up and suddenly <laughs> you're in love. Um, but yeah, that's exactly it, though. You know what I mean? Like we we met when we were that age. We yeah. Didn't, we didn't really interact. Yeah. Okay. So okay. we went on a on a group trip type of thing, and I met her then, and that's it. So, mm-hmm. so I never saw or really spoke to her that much after that, but uh-huh. she had all these feelings. So we get together, and within six months, um, uh, we have that talk. By the end of that year, within another six months, I proposed, and within another six yeah. months, we're married. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I got I got married within yeah within two two years of of meeting my yeah. wife like you know the first eight months we got engaged within well within a year we got engaged yeah um yeah i mean the same thing it's yeah. just like once you know that's exactly that's you know? what i tell people all the time people are like wow you got married that young i'm like i'm thankful that i did because if you know then what are you why waste to, why, why waste time? time yeah and people are always um wanting to tell you and wanting to explain to you and it's not wrong um, wait till you're more mature. Wait till you have money. Wait till you have a house. Wait till you have all these things. But again, that's more of the traditionalist. And I think that, first of all, in 2019, um, you can't wait till you have a house because what are you going to own a house in, and, in and, the GTA? And not only just that, like you can't just wait until you mature and all this other stuff in every single case because a lot of times, you know, for a lot of people, that means like, they lose their virginity. They, they yeah. go through all this stuff. They yeah. have kids. They move away. Yeah. All sorts of stuff happen in life. And yeah, that can mature you, but that can also throw you off the path of, of yep. being able to connect with that person you feel connected to. Now, and again, and it's not, it doesn't work for everybody because I didn't get married until until I was about 26, 27. I and get, you got get married engaged. a virgin. Uh, yeah, a vir- like a virgin. <laughs> like a virgin. I knew it But the point I, I, I always made was, you know, once you get to a certain place as a man, you don't need, if you don't know that she's the one within the first year, mm-hmm. then she's not the she's one. She's not the one. Plain and simple. Yeah. Men know. 
they know, they know, they know. They may act like they don't know, but they know. When Once, they want to yeah. be with you, they yeah. will They will do whatever they can. There was an energy that Bethany brought to... Oh, is that new age stuff? You're <laughs> no crystals. Energy, crystals. No crystals. <laughs> but it was that chill vibe. I'm like, oh, if I was to be stranded somewhere, I can hang out with Bethany. <laughs> She's gonna be I like fun. that. She you was know, gonna be fun. You know what? You know my friend, my friend Chris says, said it this way. He's like, I, he goes, to, he goes to be what he got engaged to his girl, mm-hmm. his wife. Now, he said, I can tolerate her. Yeah, like, <laughs> men. Are, I don't know if you know Patrice O'Neill, the famous comedian. Yeah. He's like, men are very simple. We 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 just need you to be around. We don't need you next to. I don't need yeah. you next to me. Yeah. I just need you in the vicinity, in yeah. the house. And if you can handle that type of relationship where there are times where we are together together and there are yep. times where like you're over there and I'm over here and everything's okay, there's not a problem. Yep. That's a great energy. And that was that was what I, from the relationship that I was coming from um where uh that person was very aggressive and manipulative. Yeah. Hanging out with Bethany was like Oh, this is how I see other people who have healthy relationships, how they feel. Yeah. So just like that creative marketing, it was like, oh, she sold me on the feeling, the feeling of being like, ah, everything is good. There's no, even if there's a problem, um, how we deal with it is so different. Now, that's one thing when you're dating. Um, When you get married and you spend all this time in close quarters with um, a person that's when you learn how to have disagreements, arguments, and fights. Yeah. How you learn how um, people grow up from different backgrounds. Um, we we grew up on the opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of <clears throat> in the terms of like uh, her upbringing and um, uh, value system versus mine. So yeah, talk about that a little bit because again, like that's something that I think um, is interesting. Again. As much as and as open as you can be in terms of like knowing that obviously you're you're of African descent, she's yep. of Dutch descent. Yep. Yep. Um, and I had the opportunity to go to is is the Dutch is, what's the country called Holland Holland yeah I, Holland was it Holland Netherlands Amsterdam. Netherlands there you go sorry I went to the Netherlands sorry. I do know what I'm talking about Holland is a city that, yeah Within Netherlands is a country yeah. I don't and, want to sound like a and fool. And it's definitely like the cultures are different. Obviously, she was Canadian and she yeah. is Canadian. But I think that, that I I always wonder, like, what are those dynamics? Like, what are those family dinners like? What was the first family dinner like? Oh, her mom didn't like me. <laughs> Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, Let's yeah, unpack yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, her mom didn't like me. She didn't. She thought that um, Bethany was the rebound. I had just gotten out of a relationship and that was... Three months removed, and she thought that was too okay. close. Okay. Um, and I wasn't working, and I wasn't in school. So here was this young black guy, and Yo, again, you had to be that black. I had to be that guy. <laughs> that that no black guy. no job, no school, fresh out of relationship. I can't. Fresh out of a relationship where Bethany's mother knew the ex girlfriend's mother. Wow. So it was a lot. Bethany's mom was, and this is Bethany's first real boyfriend. Okay. I'm her first real person of interest. <laughs> person of interest. Okay. Uh, so Bethany is explaining some of this to me, and I'm, I'm telling my then, my friend circle of what's going on, and they're all like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, get it together. So my homie got me, his wife um, uh, worked at a Starbucks, and he was friends with the manager at that Starbucks where they played poker every Sunday night. So he got me an interview. 
I show up to the interview at Starbucks. The manager, shout out to Darwin. Um, he, he hired <laughs> shout me. Out. Shout out to Darwin. He hired me on the spot. Yo, and listen, sometimes you just need to have some favor, eh? Yeah. Sometimes you just need a Darwin. Let's give it a few. Yeah, Darwin is the bomb. Darwin. You don't he, know Darwin. He hired me on the spot and said, and not only that, he says, can you walk to the Walmart across the street and get a pair of khakis and black pants? This is before when Starbucks had a dress code. And start right now. Wow. And within a week, I was a shift supervisor. Within a month, I was an assistant manager. So I had a job. Boom. Check. So really? <laughs> But because he could see it in you. Like he could see it. Yeah. He was like, yeah, you're good. And then I learned the drinks really fast and people really liked me because I was personable. Um, and yeah, within a week, I was a shift supervisor. Here's the key to the store. You open now. Wow. <laughs> Starbucks was a great point in my life. Uh, that year, everybody got Starbucks gifts. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> everybody got coffee Everybody beans. in church. Every friend. Everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just ridiculous. Yeah, back then, coffee, uh, Starbucks sold coffee machines as well as a co- lot more <laughs> coffee merchandise. Yeah. Like coffee scoops and coffee containers. So everybody got weird stuff like coffee, Starbucks, like um, teddy bears and stuff like that. <laughs> All kinds of stuff. So, we did, so that solved the job thing, which softened the blow. Yeah. So we were, quote unquote, dating. We had started dating. And, but we were taking things very slow. Um, and then I went to Atlanta. And then while I was coming back, Bethany was going to Trinidad. Okay. So if you do the math, we were actually together. So this is, again, in the first six months, we were away for most of it and taking it, quote, unquote, slow. That's all happening from January to May. Here we are, middle of May. And my wife pops the, like, are you serious question. So we barely spent any time together. <laughs> And we were both traveling wow. for a large portion of it. I was in Atlanta for three weeks. She was in Trinidad. She went to two different trips in Trinidad within that first six months. <laughs> and then we all finally, we, we start, back then it was much different. It was either writing letters <laughs> or writing emails. Mm, that's so nice. Ah. Emails, yeah, yeah. Emails, yes. was, emails was and was. letters. We would write letters you be, to. You'd be, you be hitting the, the, the command R, <laughs> refresh, 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 see if there's any replies. <laughs> I love you too. Oh, refresh, refresh, yeah. refresh. Saving drafts. Yeah, man. <laughs> and back then was like the BlackBerry era. So like oh, yeah. BBM. Yeah, so yeah. anyway, so all of that, so all of that happened within six months and then at the in the month of May, that's when we started talking about are we gonna get married? Wow. Wow. <laughs> and 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 twelve years later, look. Look how we look how we do two kids later. It's yeah. amazing. So let's let's talk a little bit more about like what you're doing now and like how you transition to what you're doing now. So yes. you, you said you had like ten years of you know, experience or, or sure. time in the non-for-profit, yeah. a, la, a, la, a la, what, vis-a-vis, a la e, what, um, uh, church? Yeah, church world. <laughs> church world. Church world. <laughs> non-for-profit um, is just a nice way of saying it. Church, church. people. Church. Right. For some people don't understand when you say the word ministry. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people don't understand, the reason why I say this, this non-for-profit, um, a lot of people don't understand what could you be doing as a communications director at a church? Yeah. People's view yeah. of a church is like church with a steeple and yep. pews and maybe 30 people in the building yeah, on exactly. a Sunday. So I'm just like, no, a little bit different. That's why I say nonprofit um, as a communications director. Cause that's, that's kind of what I did. I was a media director and a communications mm-hmm. director at two different churches um, spanning 10 years. Yeah, that's crazy. So I was in one field for a very long time. Um, that's where I learned a lot about leading. Um, how to, the hardest part I find about any type of creativity is sharing your ideas with other people. <laughs> so and bringing and, and, people and on what board. you see in your head, trying to be translated yeah. to the leader that has to 
sign off on it. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody who's not a creative. So l- doing all, all this um, over the course of 10 years taught me a lot about how to industrialize my creative process. So how do I take something from an idea? So the ide- ideation stage mm-hmm. and how to grow it to a place where I can pitch it because pitching is part of the process. If you can't get sign mm-hmm. off. That's good. Something. I'm going to make a shirt about that. Pitching is a part of the process. That yeah. I'm going to make a shirt about Because a lot of people are great at envisioning. Creatives are good at dreaming it up. Yep. But can you share the story about it? Um, and can you share it effectively? Like when they say elevator pitch, I feel like that's maybe too short. But can you say it in two minutes? Yeah. And can you make, and, and within those two minutes, can you make me feel something yeah or see something yeah. see it if you can't then then your chances are you're not going to get that yeah so I, I i learned a lot a lot a lot a lot um being the first place that i worked being um a more bootstraps um under resourced but grand ideas lots of like 95 percent of the yep. churches you learn how to hustle yeah you learn the the value of hard work yeah um i love the quote from will smith that says, you know, nobody will outrun me on this treadmill. Because the reason why I'm successful is not because I got lucky. It's just I, I can I can turn the switch on and say, I won't get off the treadmill beside, before the person beside me. I can outwork anybody. I may not be the coolest, yeah. the fastest, the yeah. smartest, whatever. But what I do have is the grit and the willpower. My willpower game, his name is Will, is through the roof. Yeah. Right? That's what he's talking about. He's yeah. talking about like... I don't have to be the most talented person. I just got to be the one who wakes up earlier, shows up and does my job l- better for longer. Yeah. I don't have to be better for a short period of time. I'd rather be better over a longer period of time. And that's kind of what I learned being in the undervalued, under-resourced and um, uh, bootstraps more type church. Yeah. I learned the value of the hustle. Um, not meaning like uh, um, the, the glorified hustle that we have today. I'm talking like 1999 hustle. Yeah, not, when nobody not, knew. Not, 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 when, not the nice, cool-looking, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, Gary V hustle. Yeah, hustle. Nobody knew and nobody cared that you were hustling. Yeah. That's the type of hustle. Yeah. And I yeah. learned how to uh, um, how to thrive in that and, and the value of putting <laughs> that type of work. <laughs> the 1999 hustle. Yeah, that's, we didn't have any way to take any type of picture <laughs> To send to our friends yeah, in 1999. Yeah, no, no, no. You no. had to come over to my house and I would show you my album. <laughs> my grind. Yeah. My that's portfolio. The only, that's the only way we could do that. So that, that's what I mean when I say hustle. So all that brought me to a place where um, I transitioned to another church, a bigger church, a church that was like close to 10 times larger. Wow. Wow. So, and Or your previous church was 10 times smaller. Yeah, yeah. Depending how you, depending on how you look at it. So depending if you see half full or half empty. So here I am, this guy. Who I'm I just throwing shade. Don't worry. It's okay. It's okay. I'm just here as this guy who's like, hey, I was maybe not the most valued piece of the team. Yeah. I mean, I've been um, uh, nominally undervalued mm-hmm. um, and nominally under underpaid, under resourced, and. All that kind of stuff, but I had lots of ideas, lots of hopes, lots of ambitions. Yeah. And here I am out of just look how God works. And here I am now at this new church, and it seems to be like the promised land and all this yeah. kind of stuff. And I have like my own office. I have my own administrator. I have um I have but 
pound budget and the budget is set by me. There's no like restriction to the budget. The budget is oh, wow. what what is the idea yeah. and tell us why we shouldn't do it yeah. or tell me why you sh- you want it and I'll tell you if we need it or not. Yeah. So it, it was a completely different environment and, and it was team based. I was not the only creative on the team um, and I was able to thrive in a way that I've never thrived before in terms of seeing how the creative process functions as a whole body unit. Mm-hmm. We had a leader who was a creative director. We had a technician um, and more clinical person with an audio engineer. We had mm-hmm. a designer, which was myself. And I was also wearing the double hat of also being the strategist. So, uh, so my question to you is like how yeah. as a creative and, and having all this other experience in, in different mm-hmm. circles, like how, what was your mind going through? What was your thought process going through seeing the level of commitment a a not-for-profit but specifically a church being in church culture all your life being an immigrant yeah. being all these yeah. sort of things seeing how much resources and how much energy they were putting into the creative communication space what yeah, did that sure. do like what were you thinking in your mind i was beyond elated that i did i would i didn't know that it could be like this oh okay i had never because again first of all we're in canada so the church culture here is very different than very different than some of the stuff you may see online. And second of all, um, where my experience has only been smaller churches where the most creative piece of, of collateral is a bulletin. So <laughs> I wish I was lying, but I'm Yo, not. shout out to the bulletin era. <laughs> shout out to the bulletin era. I don't care. I remember the, the three-folds. Yeah, man. Listen, the bulletin era. <laughs> bulletin gang. Bulletin gang, yeah. So, on. yeah, we, we, we definitely... Um, uh, we did a lot of stuff. So yeah. being in that type of space, coming from where I came from, um, it was kind of mind opening. It was like, okay, so the God that we heard about that created heaven and earth, that you know created man, that created the rainbow, that created all these things, that same creative God also would would mind creativity being shown in the church we've mm. become so rigid in how we do things mm-hmm. um and in bible school that's called preliminary when you stand up and you sit down and you do all these yeah. ritual type things when you're kind of uh, uh um, singing songs and then there's announcements yeah. and then all that kind of stuff is called preliminary and when we do that we're doing a form of godliness we're trying to to do the right thing and for anybody who doesn't know anything about religion, um, religion is kind of the structure needed because people are just crazy, right? <laughs> people, trying to hurt people is trying to hurt chickens, right? We all exactly. want to go different ways. Exactly. So you, so you have yeah. religion to be a, a way to to put some order in it. Yeah. But along the way, we kind of lost the whole Jesus aspect, and the reason why we're called Christians is because of Jesus Christ, so the most important and sustain, sustainable aspect of my life is not a religion, it's a person named Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that person was very creative, but we lost all the creativity inside of the inside of the all the creativity, part. all of it, uh, all, all of it, like like to the point where it's like it, we we just you. so think about think about the seventeenth century, sixteenth century church, and how creative that cardinal, pope, priest, pastor, person had to be to say, who who among you is the greatest artist? Come and paint a scene yep. on this cathedral. Yep. And, and and the importance of it because and yeah. a part of a part of it I think was, you know, the whole idea of there was a connection between being 
uber gifted and creative mm-hmm. and visualizing yeah. your faith because there was a disconnection with the education of the faith. Of 100%. In, 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 in a traditional standpoint, because there's still education through the visual, you know, the painting and stained glass and all that stuff. But the, the idea was, okay, if I couldn't, we couldn't afford, everybody couldn't afford a Bible, couldn't afford right. to read the Bible because they couldn't all read we could still visualize it. Yeah. And there was a necessity to visualize it. Yeah. And and it's almost like a reverse now where yeah. we don't... Every church looks the same. Every church looks the same. I was just at a church on, uh, you know, this past Easter Sunday. And it was like... It was Easter, cool. What are you talking about? You mean Resurrection Sunday? Oh, res- the day that he got up from the... I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's a joke only for um, Christian people who go to a more modern church. And if you grew up in a traditional church, it's not Easter. It's Resurrection, resurrection Sunday. Anyway, I'm but, sorry. Keep going. But, but the whole the whole thing that I felt was like, it was kind of like everything, Just it just checked off all the boxes. Yeah, yeah. Just checked off all the boxes. Yeah. And one thing I, I wish... And, and this is maybe just the creative in me was like, like I, I really miss like seeing like a dope elevation film mm-hmm. or like seeing people do like not just dramatize. But it's, but it's hard everything. to appreciate it because everybody now does it. Yeah. But everyone but, tries but to do the same thing. They, they, not, not even. But see, some people do it if they see the value in it. Right. The predominant amount of group of churches don't do it. Don't do it. They just... Like, Not at all. I mean, they just don't do anything, right? My, or they'll do very lim- min- minimal stuff yeah. and then they're like, okay, that church does the plays. Yeah. That church does the videos. Yeah. That church does that. And it's like... Churches doing plays, I'm talking to you. Stop. <laughs> you know what? I don't mind plays if, if it's not, you know, Deacon Brown. I am... Uh, Doubting Thomas, and I doubt that Jesus resurrected from the grave. People that do the plays, count the amount of cards that you receive that <laughs> it's affecting. So here's the thing. I went, quick thing, and I'm going to jump back. Yeah, yeah. Quick thing. My first year coming to the big church, they still did plays. Yeah. Um, I found out the first year we did the play, we got two cards that people said, <laughs> This impacted my life. I want to serve Jesus because of it. Two cards. Over $170,000 was paid for. Wow. We did a good play. Great production. Yeah. So the problem I have with it, with plays, that's why I say people doing plays, stop doing plays, is if you do a, I'm a marketer, this is the way I think, cost of acquisition. (laughs) Yes. Or ROI. (laughs) Yeah. Return on investment. Investment. Right. So to, to, if, if, if we were to convert this into, you know, a cost of acquisition, if the member or the new person coming to your church was a new customer, how much money did you pay in marketing to acquire this new customer? Yeah. A lot. <laughs> you're telling you telling me we paid how much money? But, but we paid eighty thousand dollars. But I think that's each that's, for each one of those two cards. But but the problem is, and listen, listen, a soul is worth more than eighty thousand dollars. Hallelujah. A. Um. But what I will say is is you're exactly right, and I think. Don't get me started we on don't church necessarily, because yeah, we don't have to spend. I'm a, I'm an extremist. I know this about myself. So save <laughs> the hate comments. For Radical. If you want something, if you want to uh, uh, maybe share some of your thoughts or your comments about any of this, email Tristan at tristanbarrett.com. <laughs> he will I'm gladly totally, take totally all of cool. it. But but just kind of concluding this part of of the conversation, <laughs> I would say that that 
the I don't have a problem with the investment as long as there's a return and there's a purpose behind it. Yeah. You know, like I think I just could think of a lot of other ways to spend a hundred. Well, that's the thing, right? If, well, so subsequently yeah. we then canceled the place. Yeah. And, and then and then you still with a percentage of that budget still created amazingly oh, impactful. Amazing impactful with for, much better yeah. people responding to. Yeah. It. So that, that's why I always say stop doing plays because a lot of times it's just church people going to plays. All that being said. Yeah. Back to what I was saying about the 16th century cathedrals and stuff like that. Yeah. What would church look like today if we got the best creatives to oh come design gosh. the church and to, and to come inspire the church? What if we got the best architect on, on in all of Canada, commissioned him and say, you, sir, come and, and build us a church? And, and to be straight with you, like, like those bishops and cardinals and all those stuff and priests... They weren't concerned about the sexuality of of, of who <laughs> was the creative that was creating. Okay, they were concerned about making something that was epic. Yeah, in layman's terms. In layman's terms, it was very simple. Our God is so great; only our greatest assets in society can can be contributors towards this. Love we're that. going yep. to we're going to build a church, which is a physical representation of of a portion of the Bible. And for that representation, why would we have just the most Whack copy people. and copy and paste? Yeah. And just say, oh, this cathedral did it this way, so let's just yep. bring a uh, 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 Saint Joseph over over here. Yeah, to come. I I totally agree with you, Bart. And I think the biggest thing for me too is like, you know, um, everything's so cookie cutter. So even even like the people that are striving to be cool and relevant just look like the next church that started the cool and relevant <laughs> trend instead of being cool, relevant, and authentic. So, 100%. So it's like this sort of cyclical cycle. So I'm just like, I look and I'm just not inspired. But anyways, that's a totally different topic. We can Don't get me started hours. on church. <laughs> I've spent many, many years of my life in church, and I'm a non-traditionalist. And I will probably frustrate and aggravate most people. <laughs> Listen, let, church as we know it won't be around in no, the next twenty not, years. Not, anyway, not, anyway, not anyway, anyway, oh my goodness! But, Don't but get me started. what I would like to say to you is, um, I would like to to just kind of conclude the, the end of the conversation with this. Um, I, I would like to ask two more questions. So, number one, what are you doing now, and yep. what is sort of what are some of your goals and some of the projects that you're working on now? Cool, cool, cool. Um, and then the last one. We'll, we'll talk about when we get there, but but I want you to answer that first. Yeah, so after uh, almost four years at uh, that church, excuse me, let's start over again. So after, <laughs> yeah, of course. So yeah, after um, almost four years at that church, mm-hmm. um, we, we parted ways. Uh, I was let go. And it was a very good letting go where they where they transitioned that position and what it was going to evolve. I'm so happy for them. And at first I thought, man, I found so much identity in that work. And um, what is that going to mean for me? Um, And Mm. immediately found myself freelancing and turned it into a business, Mm. um, which was very, very rewarding. And we were just there for Easter. We still attend the church because we we love it that much. I'm not a church hater. Please, Tristan Barracks at TristanBarracks.com for any comments. <laughs> um, so I, I found myself still wanting to attend that church, which I did, um, and we still do. And I see the positions that have been added and how my my old position doesn't mm-hmm. really exist anymore as an end-all, be-all of strategy and design. It's been parsed into smaller ones, and I'm so much happier for them. And I'm happy that I'm not there. I'm like, oh, it's so... Do- before I was more of a strategist and designer, mm-hmm. and um, I didn't have to be there on a Sunday. 
I could just do my work and peace out. Where now mm-hmm. it's very um, integrated, integrated with the weekend services and gatherings and all and that experiences kind of stuff. And stuff yeah. It's amazing how all this stuff always works out. Where I am with my life, with my family, with my kids and my wife, I can't do that. I can't be at all three services mm-hmm. every single week. So mm-hmm. it's like it's, it was a perfect transition, diverge, yeah. transition yeah. and uh, we still go there because we love it. And it allowed me to start this business. Um, Which is like, tell us a little bit about this business. Yeah, the business is called creativepartner.ca. So it's creative partnership. Um, I think, again, like I said, the hardest part about creativity is sharing it with other people. And whether you're uh, a medical professional or a boutique, whatever, (laughs) you're trying to share something and you have an idea and I'm the partner that comes to help you creatively. So that's where the name came from, Creative Partner. Um, And and it's it's morphed into a design um, studio. So Mm. I used to do a lot of things. I don't do a lot of things anymore, which is... Most people that that, they get... uh, Most people like us that do what we do um what i notice is is you you start out doing everything because you gotta pay the bills man you gotta pay the bills number one but then you also have to figure out what you hate yeah I won't, and I once won't do yeah and once you figure out what you hate <laughs> then it becomes very easy and much more clear in terms of what you like yeah and you just work from there you know what i mean 100 percent. so i i we what now what we only do is branding identity and graphic and web design yeah yeah and i and i and it's it's funny because what you do really well, I don't really like doing, and I don't do well. And yeah. then what I do well, yeah, you don't thing. necessarily really no. do either. I literally, like, we were talking about, I turned down yeah. uh, doing video work because yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not for me. Yeah, and, and it's 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 crazy how, how that works. But it's like, I, I mean, between yourself and another friend of mine, I, I think between the two of you, you guys are the best graphic designers. Oh, thank you. Im- image, image creators that I know because it's just you guys – think through so much of your design mm-hmm. um and and it's and it comes so easy yeah. whereas like it would take me five days to do a design right, which right, is right. half decent you guys can pump out things that are amazing uh without even trying that hard so i i, I definitely want to give you kudos there um the last question i want to ask you is like what would you say uh to your 17 year old self if you had the opportunity what mm. what tidbit what what one piece of information or wisdom would you give your 17 year old self pay attention i wish i wish i realized that what was big then is not big now or, or sorry what was big then is can only can only get bigger i we grew up in the era of the internet mm-hmm. and i feel that i was so aloof to the <sighs> internet oh man let's I, not talk about it i don't <laughs> i don't want to even start something else because it's like <sighs> How come I didn't have a YouTube channel? Oh, no. How do I how do I not have a YouTube channel? Like my YouTube channel is from like I think 2011. Oh my gosh. We were at the forefront of Twitter, of Facebook, of, of everything. Of everything. And I didn't see it that way. I was mm-hmm. busy being married and and all the all the other other stuff and living my best life and all this kind of stuff. But as somebody who now relies on the internet so much <laughs> to do my work and to do my business and to run everything that I do, that I'm just like, pay attention. I wish I could tell my 17 year old self because 17, uh, how what year would that be for me? That probably would have 2003. been 2003. Yeah, 2003. And I was 17. Well, I was gra- I graduated school uh, high school in 2000. And one, yeah. So I would have been maybe eighteen, nineteen. Yeah. So um, yeah, I tell my. Uh, it's two thousand 
2003. Why? Why were they not on the forefront of any of this? Stuff? I, I re- listen. I remember when Facebook was was just this thing where it's like, yeah. oh, I can find people that I know from back in the day. Yeah. And I was, I didn't even think. I remember it. where I was and when I was when somebody sent me through BBM through my pin. <laughs> An invitation to Gmail because it was closed. It was before it was public. It was only by crazy. friends. Crazy. Someone had to invite you to Gmail. That was crazy. Yeah. I remember in 2007 when Twitter came out, I remember going to Twitter.com and applying for Twitter. Because it wasn't inst- back then, things weren't instant. Yep. You would sign up yep. and you would wait to get an email to say you're accepted and, or you're in. We're now. confirming you. Yeah, yes, we're confirming. Yeah. <laughs> confirmed. Yeah, you're you're Go. confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just like it wasn't like oh I signed up and here's my username and it's done. Yeah. And I just start tweeting. It was like, hey, you sign up and like two days go by. And then yeah. I just wish I was more aware of, oh, this could be used for something. Yeah. Whereas I was kind of like when Facebook first came out, I was like, I remember having a conversation with my wife saying, that's stupid. Yeah. And you're just wasting a lot of your day on yeah. that. And we could be doing so much other stuff that we need to be doing. I, it's almost like like this. It's just we just didn't have this acute sensibility no. to to identify opportunities. Yeah. And I think I, I think that's what you're alluding to is like like identify the opportunities. Yeah. Even the things that you think are not opportunities or, tra- or that are trash are probably your next biggest breakthrough. Or I remember I remember signing wow, up that's for. I remember, oh, I remember signing up for YouTube and posting a video and being amazed that I had like a hundred people view it. This is 2011. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that this can't get any bigger than this. I I never thought that. I didn't even think of YouTube as a place to produce a show. Yeah. Because I was so inclined, and a part of it was because I was so like enamored by the traditional forms right. of 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 um, broadcasting. Right. Right. So like I was I was a you know, film and television actor. So I thought, OK, that was the way to go. Right. Yeah. And also the program that we went to told us that it was only big companies that gave people. Yeah. Gave people opportunities. opportunities instead of you creating your opportunities. Yeah, that didn't and, exist before. And it was just that. Yeah, I, I get you. I feel you on that. Yeah. I'm like, I wish I knew any of them. Like, how come I didn't perceive that that 100 liked video that I posted <laughs> could be the door in the platform for anything I wanted. Oh Why gosh. did I only wait until I had something? I never created anything for that platform. It was just stuff that I had that I would upload from my computer. Listen. Listen. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. It just gets me so upset. Yeah. But thank you for making me upset yeah. at the end of this show. Well, I could, uh, we could talk about somebody else before I get upset. <laughs> well, listen. Listen, Bart. <laughs> I just want to say thank you so much for joining us for the Story Over Everything podcast sure. with your host, Tristan Barracks. Um, I, I really just want to uh, tell you how much I appreciate you, how much I love you, Thanks, how man. much, uh, how dope I think you are, and how envious I am sometimes of the opportunities <laughs> that you get. I'm like Maple Leaf. I don't get that. Anyways, but um, wow. Wow. <laughs> but 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 for real though. Um, Meanwhile, wanted... this guy didn't bring me to South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't really bring anybody. Maybe one person. But anyways, <laughs> but but what I want to kind of close off with is if you could share with us like how we can get a hold of you, how we should sure. complain about your church contradictions. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. Where can we follow you on social media? 100%. All that good stuff. Uh, the easiest way is obviously to go to bartanison.com. 
Bart like Simpson, Aniston, not like Jennifer, <laughs> dot com. And from there, you can find my business. From there, you can find my social media. Uh, thank you again. And listen, thank you, uh, listeners, everybody out there, beautiful people, for listening to another episode of Story Over Everything, the podcast that allows you to speak to the 17-year-old version of yourself. Stay blessed, stay creative, and uh, keep going. Peace. Well, that ends another episode of the Story Over Everything podcast with your boy, Tristan Barracks, the digital storyteller. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I hope you learned something and I hope you gained a new sense of perspective. Hit me up on my social media platforms at Tristan Barracks on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube. Ask the questions that you want to ask and let's keep this conversation going. But until the next time, peace. Peace.